So, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, this morning we're thinking about the fatherhood of God, and in particular as it sort of comes to us in the context of the Lord's Prayer. The discourse that we've come to know as the Sermon on the Mount contains enough spiritual guidance of one sort or another to keep us all uh, on the right path and to give preachers unlimited scope to practice their art. But Jesus, knowing his time was short and at least some of his um, audience were sceptical, has to concentrate on his handbook for discipleship uh, somewhat drastically. At this point, he's giving advice on how we, his disciples, should pray. And it's significant that he starts off by addressing his father and ours simply and humbly our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. God, you are holy, divine, our creator who gave us life. Now, Christians have always had some difficulty comprehending the triune God, the Trinity. First, as a supreme being who's out there somehow, all-embracing, omnipotent, unbounded by restrictions of time and space. And yet, a second, one who can come amongst us physically in the form of a specific individual human being. But then third... One who at the same time can manifest himself as what we call the Holy Spirit, an inner force, uh, who can take hold of ordinary people and empower them in their lives and all they do. So here we have Jesus, God incarnate, demonstrating his relationship with God, supreme being. And he calls him Father. And he tells us to begin our prayers, our Father. Now, I have to confess that normally when I am um, preparing a sermon, I'm motivated by perhaps uh, something that's happened, something I've read, something that's triggered some train of thought that I felt called upon to um, sort of develop and share. Now, today I've been asked to take a particular theme as part of this series, as you know, which uh, uh, we're going to be going through here on the Lord's Prayer, uh, and uh, particularly asked to uh, take this theme of God the Father. Well, it's many years since I've had to, uh, to preach to order, so to speak. So I had to ask myself, what springs to mind when, um, uh, when we use this phrase, God as 
father. And the one image which kept coming into my mind was the story of the prodigal son, as we say, the lost son. Well, maybe the third person of the Trinity was giving me a bit of a nudge. Anyway, let's begin by thinking about that wonderful story that Jesus himself told. What does it tell us about God as our Father? Well, first, it's been said that the name of the parable is wrong. It should actually concentrate on the loving God, the loving Father, rather than this wayward son who went off the rails. In the human life cycle, it is the male that provides the seed to propagate the species. It is God that has sparked the whole train of creation and life. And it's that fact which is epitomized when we use this description of father for God. In the Jewish tradition, a father couldn't dispose of his possessions just as he wanted. Uh, if he had two sons, the elder was entitled to two-thirds, the younger one-third. Now, normally, of course, this disposition was on the death of the father, but not necessarily. And in this story, the younger son takes advantage of his father's willingness to be a bit flexible. And so when he decides to kick over the traces, the father willingly, freely, Let's him go. The father, who's of course the creator and owner of his wealth, is ready out of sheer love for this son of his to let him take his share and depart. No strings attached. We have a heavenly father who, out of love for us, out of his sovereign grace has given to all of us his children the supreme gift of life and a share in his creation we are free like this prodigal son in Jesus story to take God's gifts and use them as we want okay secondly then that means that we are completely free to use what God has entrusted and provided for us the prodigal son went off he squandered his share uh, in dissolute riotous living and when it's all gone he's driven to uh, feeding a local landowner's pigs and longing to share their their swill sadly the human race has taken the good gifts with which our Heavenly Father has endowed us and used them for our own purposes, for our gratification. In our hearts, we know that we are stewards, if you like, of all that God's given us. His whole creation, resources, beauty, wealth, health, even life itself. Our Father has passed over to us to treasure to enjoy as you look around and you watch the tv news you realize just how desperately god's children have abused his trust and misused his bounty 
I've heard it put that we uh, human beings have a built-in default to sin. Uh, somehow, even the smallest child, uh, the drive for self-preservation is pretty strong. We, ask, we put ourselves first, and then as we mature, the process passes from a, a sort of passive instinct to active preference to put ourselves before God and before other people. Okay, now I know that there are many kind, loving, and faithful people around. But you see, the prodigal son demonstrates something built deep into everyone's psyche. Thirdly, however, this tale reminds us of the incredible good news that despite all that, our father still loves us, opens his arms, welcomes us back into his favour, into his care. When the prodigal comes to his senses in a far country and sets out to go home, hoping only to be treated like one of his father's hired servants, the father spots him in the distance. He's been watching out for him all this time and he, he, he rushes over, embraces him, kisses him, welcomes him back, gives him the red carpet treatment. Now, isn't this just incredible? Blood ties are strong, but so often one sees relationships in families, parents who disown their offspring, children who care little or nothing for those who bore and nurtured them, leaving them unsupported in their old age. But this father, unbelievably, shows no recriminations. This son of mine was dead, he says, and he's come back to life. He was lost and is found. And we read that the festivities began. This is the fantastic good news of the Christian faith. We have a God a heavenly father who, despite everything, welcomes us back, forgives us, restores us to the family circle if we will but humbly acknowledge our faults, our selfishness, and return to him. Let me quote a sermon I preached here only a few months ago. We have peace with God his forgiveness and acceptance by his free gift. As a father gives free gifts to his children, grace is an absolute gift freely given out of a father's love. Well, that's why I sense this story uh, helps us to understand what Jesus was driving at when he called us to begin our prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
But there's one other thing I want to remind you of this morning. I was preaching recently in another church in the, the sub, uh, central Sussex United area we, we belong to. Uh, and I was preaching on the subject, a new reformation. And in the course of that sermon, I said something which I f- felt as I was preparing this sermon was very apposite for this theme. The only way the human race can understand God the Father is through Jesus Christ the Son. That is why Jesus came. It's the whole meaning of the incarnation. Our race proved itself quite incapable of comprehending the truth about God, even when everybody actually believed in God. How much more is this true in this age of materialism and skepticism, when everybody wants everything proved to them and served up on a plate? We are surely an age of Thomases. Now, I think that that quote is is very relevant to our theme today. To me, it's very basic biblical theology, fundamental to the gospel. We can only come into a meaningful relationship with the spiritual being of God the Father through the humble humanity of Jesus, God the Son. And remember, it was Jesus himself who brought this concept to the fore. In the whole of the Old Testament, there are very few references to God as Father. There, he's perceived rather more as creator, as judge, as ruler. A rather stern, um, remote figure. His love for his creation, his people, somehow a bit austere and forbidding. He imposes demanding laws and brings down harsh judgment on those who flout them. Now it's Jesus who introduces us to a God who exhibits a fatherly love for us. In a sense, I suppose this lies at the heart of the Christian understanding of God. He is a father who loves his children, who wants them to come back to him. One gets a sense in the other great monotheistic uh, religions of the world, Judaism and Islam, that their understanding of the supreme being is rather different from that rather more Old Testament, if you like. And that is why we want to share the good news about Jesus Christ. For it is Jesus who has shown us the way to God. In his own words, he said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He also went on to say, Because I live, you will live also. I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. No one, says Jesus, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in 
us. Well, that's a bit of a sobering, if comforting, thought, isn't it? Our mandate, if you like, as Christians is to follow Jesus, to carry on his saving work in the world, to reflect his light and his love. In that way, people will meet with Jesus and, as Jesus said, when they meet him, they will meet the holy God who is his father and ours. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name.